You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We have a a really neat history series. We, we love history. Yes. We love sharing history. history. We have a great history series to share with you this month. We're going to take a look at the history of Black ministry in the LCMS here on The Coffee Hour. Looking forward to introducing our guest in just a moment. Thanks to Concordia University, Wisconsin for supporting The Coffee Hour. Find out more about Concordia University, Wisconsin at cuw.edu. Live Uncommon. Joining us today, the Reverend Dr. James McDaniels. He's serving St. Luke Lutheran Church in High Point, North Carolina. Dr. McDaniels, welcome to the Coffee Hour. Thank you, sir. It's good to be here with you. We are glad to have you today. We're looking forward to learning about the history of LCMS Black Ministry. We're going to take a look at the first 50 years of LCMS Black Ministry. We're talking about the history of the LCMS with Dr. Cameron McKenzie in another series here on the Coffee Hour, which takes us back to the Lutheran Synodical Conference, which was founded in 1872, where they collaborated on work in evangelization, and one of those being the first missionary to Black Americans. Can you tell us about this missionary and his work? When we look at the history of Black ministry in the Missouri Senate, we have to understand that the history is a history that really talks about Missouri Senate, but the Lutheran Church was doing work in black ministry prior to we getting involved, meaning Missouri Senate getting involved with that history. I happen to be very fortunate to serve a congregation in my ministry in New York City at a church called St. Matthew's Lutheran Church in Manhattan, which has a distinction of being the oldest continuous Lutheran church in North America. And one of the things that I was part of my responsibility was occasionally I would get people writing to me and or calling us up and asking for information about ancestors who they thought were members of St. Matthew's or that we had the records of their baptisms, marriages, and alike available to them because being the oldest, when churches would close or go out of existence, a lot of times we would take on that information. So one of the things I discovered while at St. Matthew's is that in its history, I found out that St. Matthew's was involved in baptizing black freed slaves or people from the Underground Railroad who found themselves up to New York and we're very much involved in the work of the church. And so that just piqued my history and understanding to say, you know, it's not just the Missouri Senate that began its work, but Lutherans have begun its work as early as early prior to the Revolutionary War. Like I said, St. Matthews was founded in 1644. So that's an exciting part of uh, my journey and my history. And today, I'm going to be talking about the Missouri Senate, particularly work in the field of black ministry, beginning with 1877 and uh, concluding with my up to the first 50 years. Yeah. So tell us about the early part in the in the mid to late 1870s with the Lutheran Synodical Conference. What what was the the missionary work being done and the people the the well and the first missionary to Black Americans at that time? Well, again, understand when we talk about the Synodical Conference, we need to understand that that was the the arm of the church that did work in mission fields. They worked with people that were not already German or from 
the traditional route of coming through congregations, but they were not just African-Americans, Native African-Americans, but they were also working with Indians. They were also working with Native American Indians, and they were also working with people of other hues or colors. And so the Synodical Conference is what they created to, again, do the work, but not really officially be a part of the Missouri Senate. It was their mission arm, so to speak, like starting a new uh, congregation until it got to the point of being able to be constituted as as a congregation, and then you officially became a part of the Missouri Senate. So the first missionaries were white. The one of them is a gentleman by the name of Dr. Henry Nile, you, who was one of the first missionaries, not only to the African people in Nigeria and other places, but he also was the first missionary in, in India and was very much involved in the work of the early church here in North Carolina when he helped establish the mission field in the North Carolina area and was very much a part of that history. Prior to that, there was such a thing known as the Alpha Senate. Now, the Alpha Senate was very unique in the sense that it was a senate of black congregations that established themselves to do work on behalf of Lutheranism in in North Carolina and other areas. And even today, there are still congregations that are in existence that were originally a part of the Alpha Center. So again, that predates the starting of the Synodical Conference when you look at the, the works of the Alpha Center. So it's fascinating, and I could go into great detail over many of the things that took place, but Dr. Now and the missionaries that uh, came with him in this area helped establish it not only in the North Carolina field, but in the Alabama field, in the New Orleans field, and in other places around the world. When missionaries began serving Black Americans, paint a picture for us. What was life like for Black Americans at this time in North America in the 1870s? In the 1870s, obviously, it's very rural. There are still people who are mostly farmers, plantation of crops such as tobacco, cotton, and other textiles. And, you know, they're basically people who are surviving from the land who are now, many of them are beginning to move into urban areas and to do work, but still very much rooted in agriculturalism. When you look at Many of these individuals, they are very much self-sufficient. One of the things that fascinated me is that when these missionaries began their work, they began not using English as much as treating and teaching, rather not treating, but teaching their students and their churches in German. So... When you went to class, you got immersed in German. And your class's work was pretty much taught, a lot of them, in German, particularly when you started dealing with the confessions and the history of the church, it was done in German. 
So that in itself was a unique thing to the fact that many of the early pastors not only knew English, but were also able to speak and preach in German. So tell us more about the Lutheran congregations that started because of the mission work that was going on at this time. Well, I'll give you a couple of examples. One of the early congregations is a church that right now is in Concord, North Carolina, which is between out in the south near Charlotte of, of our state. Concord, uh, the name of the church is Grace Lutheran Church Concord, which again is part of the old Alpha Senate originally and is still very much existent. Today, its pastor's name is the Reverend Dr. Donald Reb, Donald Anthony, who is its pastor and also serves, again, in a dual role at another church there, and very much active in the still ministry today of sharing and reaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are other churches in the community that, again, date back to early days of Black ministry. St. Luke's is one of them, which, again, has a long and rich history, and others in the North Carolina field today that are just continue to do God's work in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is duplicated, as I said, in other areas. When you look at areas such as the Alabama field, which speakers will be talking about it um, Later on, again, there are many congregations that have a rich history of uh, doing work in Black ministry and continuing today to share the gospel, particularly in uh, areas as Birmingham, Montgomery. One of my good friends, the Reverend Dr. Omer Marshall, who was on the board of directors of Senate for many years, just completed 50 years of ministry um, in the church, serving the Lord, again, at two churches. Trinity in, in Mobile and met another congregation nearby. So, and even in retirement, he's still serving and preaching and sharing the work of the gospel. You'll have Reverend Dr. McNair Ramsey, who is the first vice president of the Southern District, who will be one of your speakers, who will be talking more about the Alabama field and sharing with you history about that whole aspect. And then the Louisiana field, you'll have uh, a layperson, Ms. Sherry Laurent Blair, who will be speaking to you from a firsthand experience because her father was uh, one of the early missionaries who came up from Louisiana and served in ministry in several cities before ending up in Los Angeles. But he, he, she will tell you stories about the whole experience and growing up as a child as a preacher's kid, and how she understood uh, ministry in a very unique way. So all of those congregations are very much a part of our history, and I think you will find them interesting and helpful. I'm just thankful for the little bit of just sharing with you what's happened here in North Carolina. We're learning about the history of Black ministry in the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. Today, we're focused on the first 50 years. We'll continue the conversation with Dr. James McDaniels in just a moment. You're listening to The Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. At 
At Concordia University, Wisconsin, we believe you were created for a reason, to use your God-given gifts to help others, to live a life of self-sacrifice in a me-first world, to live a life that's uncommon. Whether you're taking one of 50-plus online programs or learning with us in person on the shores of Lake Michigan, you'll be equipped to make an uncommon impact. Learn more at cuw.edu. Concordia University, Wisconsin. Live Uncommon. Welcome back to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. We're learning about the we're learning about LCMS Black History and Black Ministry today. Taking a look at the first fifty years of LCMS Black Ministry. Our guest, the Reverend Dr. James McDaniel's, serving at St. Luke Lutheran Church in High Point, North Carolina. So we've talked a little bit about the the early years in North Carolina, the missionaries that were given to serve. Um, to Black Americans in uh, North Carolina and other areas. And we'll get to some of the other states, as you pointed out, in some future episodes as well. Tell us a little bit about uh, how Black professional church workers were raised up in the early years in, in Lutheran Black ministry, particularly in North Carolina and beyond. Well, again, I have to give thanks to God that Despite all the obstacles that the world at that time and continue to be doing or experiencing today, God was faithful and produced labors for the harvest. One of the things that I am truly amazed and thankful for is that despite the prejudice and the racisms and the things that were going on during these early days of black ministry, God still prevented people who were willing, both white and black, to put their risk, uh, risk their lives for the sake of the gospel. Many times, people would experience racism, potential lynchings, church bombing. When we look at Black History Month, we look at the tragedies that have happened in the course of the of these individuals. The Birmingham bombing, for example, in which um, four little girls were, while attending Sunday school, were uh, killed uh, due to a racist act of a bombing, which, by the way, one of our Lutheran pastor's relatives was in that bombing. One of his relatives was in, who was killed. I can go on to say of a number of people who experience firsthand racism and experience firsthand uh, abuse in the church. And uh, sad to say that still exists today by individuals. So despite all that, God still provides for us people who are willing to put their lives on the line, as I said, both white and black to share and to witness the gospel of Jesus Christ, despite all the worldly things that are happening to them and their family. You mentioned earlier that a lot of training was in German. Can you tell us more about what uh, training looked like for these uh, early church workers in Black ministry? Well, in the early days, as I said, a lot of the courses were done in German, particularly when it came to doctrine. Other courses were done in English, obviously, and not all the teachers were white. Many of them were black, and they spoke in English and worked in English. But when you came to doctrine issues, as I said, they were pretty much in German. 
it's, I have to tell you a little story of a pastor by the name of Dr. Mama Duke Carter. He was pastor of a congregation in Chicago for many years. And Pastor Mama Duke had a great gift of preaching and had a master of the German language. Now, can you imagine a person of a Billy Graham or Oswald Hoffman type person who could preach with such vigor and expression and fervor and be able to go now to these rural areas of places such as Minnesota, Wisconsin, and share the gospel of Jesus Christ on these vast farmland areas and a mission festival and so much impressed the people who would go back to their pastor who spoke German and say, how come you can't preach like him? What, you know, what is it that you are so dry in your expressions that you can't give it that type of, uh, that type of vigor in your message? And that's the type of persons that went out in the early field who were black, who again, helped to make a difference in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ and could very much impress our people in sharing the gospel in their own language. Tell us more about other key figures in this history that maybe are lesser known, that that we don't know about. Who are some of the other key figures from the history of Black ministry and the LCMS? Well, for me, there are people such as Reverend... Laurent, who lived to he was a hundred and two or three, who was very active in ministry. He his last ministry was in California in Los Angeles. And the person who had great love and care for and his house is like a walking museum. You had people who and you like I said, you'll hear next Next, soon in your series with his daughter, who will talk about her personal experience. Um, you have people like Dr. Robert King, who was our vice president and also first vice president for many years and was very active in the church. And one who, again, wrote many books on the subject matter, his experience in working in black ministry. You have people like personal like Simon Bodley, like Richard Dickinson, like I can just go down the line of different individuals who again made an impression and were very much a part of the church. It's I could just every time I think of these individuals and mention their names and say that there is such a great wealth in history and I invite your viewers to again take time to look Particularly, the book I recommend is Dr. Richard Dickinson's book, uh, Roses and Thorns, which is available to you right now on eBay as an excellent starter point. But please take a, advantage of looking at books by Dr. King, who wrote some books on the subject matter. And also another book, an uh, individual I would recommend is, I'm drawing a blank here. His book is entitled Nothing But a Layman, and right now I can't think of his name, but I'll give that information to you. In fact, I'll produce to you a book list of individuals, but all these individuals who have written have done a great job, but there are also people who are right now doing oral histories, and that in itself is important and will be 
continue, hopefully in the future, where again, it grows and continues and we get an opportunity to remember these individuals. Another individual who, again, has a, who done some writing or is uh, Dr. William Griffin. And I can just go down on and on of these individuals who, again, made an impact in our church and continue to share through their witness the gospel of Jesus Christ, despite uh, the difficulties that they had in uh, serving our Lord in a community that wasn't always too friendly to them because of their color and their racial background. Sounds like you have a lot of resources and uh, we will put these things in the show notes so people have easier access to find all of these wonderful resources that you're telling us about right now. I, I wish we had five more hours to talk with you about all of these things, but in our last few minutes, can you give us some, you've mentioned some challenges, if there are other challenges that we should know about in these early, these these first 50 years of Black ministry and some of the joys too, the, the joyful outcomes of this work. For me, the joyful outwork is bringing somebody to Jesus Christ to share the gospel and its truth and in its purity and using whatever means necessary to share that witness. One of the things I learned years ago is we are all capable individuals to witness. The question sometimes comes, well, how do you witness to black folks? Is it different from witnessing to other people or other white folks or other cultures? I said, no. The same way you would witness to any God's child is the same way you would witness to black people. We are, we have the same skin color. We, I mean, same blood in our veins, even though we have different skin colors or hues. We come from different backgrounds. We have different likes and dislikes as far as our food and our ability to do different things. Um, But we are God's children and God calls us to be a part of his kingdom. One of the things that I like to say to folks is, you know, when you get to heaven, do you think there's going to be a separate heaven for black folks and a separate heaven for white folks? If we don't learn maybe here on earth of how to build those bridges, what are we going to do when we get to heaven? Think that we're going to be able to segregate ourselves from the rest of God's kingdom, wherever they may be? So let's learn now. Let's witness now. And let's use the gifts that God gives us to witness and to save people with the saving message of his son. Thing about it is, I love John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever, white folks, not black folks, but whosoever believes, knows that He has come to redeem him and bring him into everlasting. Our guest today, the Reverend Doctor James McDaniel, serving Saint Luke Lutheran Church in High Point, North Carolina. Pastor McDaniels, thank you so much for spending this time with us and sharing this history with us today. Thanks for being our guest on the Coffee Hour. Thank you, sir. It's been my pleasure, and I'm looking forward to hearing the rest of your series and getting a lot of information. I hope your viewers will be excited to, again, see these wonderful opportunities to witness God's love to all people. You've been listening to the Coffee Hour. I'm Andy Bates. I'm Sarah Golseth. 
The Coffee Hour with Andy and Sarah is a production of KFUO. To support the Coffee Hour and KFUO Radio, visit KFUO.org. You can also text KFUO to 41444 or send an email to gifts at KFUO.org. And you can call us at 800-844-0524. KFUO. Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Showing support for KFUO is now easier than ever. You can sport a KFUO shirt, swag, or even socks by visiting our online store. Go to kfuo.org slash store and order high-quality KFUO-branded merch. You no longer need to wait for our annual share for a chance to show your KFUO spirit. Visually share and wear this ministry out in the world by checking out our selection. Every purchase helps to support our proclamation of Christ for you, anytime, anywhere. Go to kfuo.org slash store.